Welcome to the Southcrest Live podcast. If this is your first time to listen, please connect with us at www.southcrest.org for more information. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. Who in the world would publicly pray in such a way as to gain the attention of others? Well, clearly the Pharisees of Jesus' day. This week on Southcrest Live with Dr. David Wilson, we follow right in step with last week's text where the religious leaders were giving for self-glory. In today's passage, we find them both praying and fasting for the same reason. But as we've seen before, Jesus sets the record straight with his teaching on the matter. Turn your Bible to Matthew 6, 5 as we hear spiritual show-offs from Pastor David Wilson. If you don't know Jesus, you don't have life. You have religion, but you don't have life. Matthew chapter 6, if you have your Bibles, if you open them there, Jesus has been confronting the issue of not just being religious, but following him. Listen to what he says in Matthew 6, chapter Chapter 6, verse 5. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. For your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. Look at verse 16. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Would you join me as we pray? Heavenly Father, we really need your help. We want you to show us the areas that we need to make right with you and help us when we pray and help us not to do anything to be seen by others, but to honor and glorify you. So Lord, please speak to our hearts now. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. I don't know if you know what a C-130 Hercules plane is, but a C-130 is one of those planes that have four engines, has a big body, it, it carries cargo and troops, it's not a speed demon. If I were an airplane, I would probably be a C-130. An F-16, on the other hand, is a fighter jet. It would be like my grandchildren running around me. On this particular day, a C-130 was lumbering along on a mission, and an F-16 fighter whizzed by him and radioed him, and this guy in the F-16, who's the only 
pilot in the plane, he is rather cocky and he radios the pilot in the C-130 that's lumbering along. He says, what's this? And he does a corkscrew and he does a barrel roll and he shoots up and then he shoots through the sound barrier and here's a big sonic boom and he comes back and he said, what do you think about that? The pilot of the C-130 said, well, that's impressive. But the uh, pilot of the C-130 says, well, watch this. And for the next five minutes, that C-130 just keeps lumbering along doesn't change. And the pilot comes back on and radios the F-16 pilot. And he said, what'd you think about that? And the F-16 pilot said, well, what did you do? And the C-130 pilot said, I stood up, I stretched my legs. I walked to the back, went to the bathroom, got a cup of coffee and a cinnamon roll. (laughs) No matter what you do, There's always going to be someone out impress you. Jesus is addressing the people who are going through their religious motions for no other reason but to impress somebody. When we gather here on Sunday, we're not here to impress each other. I appreciate so much music that lifts up the name of Jesus. We want you to know Jesus because we know that he changes your life. But Jesus already has addressed, he has addressed three of the main religious activities of the Jewish people. He, last week we looked at giving alms or giving to the poor and, and giving in general and, and how the hypocrites give and really draw a lot of attention to themselves. And then he mentions these two others, prayer and fasting. Now you'll notice I skipped over the model prayer because we're about to camp there for a little while. In fact, beginning next Sunday, we're going to spend a few weeks talking about the model prayer, and we're going to answer some interesting questions such as, if the Father already knows everything I need before I ask, why do I even need to pray? You ever thought that? Yeah, you have. You just won't admit it, but you have. Does prayer do any good? And we're going to look at the model prayer, and we're going to spend a few weeks there dissecting it and, and learning more about praying. Because I want to tell you, a praying church, it makes all the difference. Prayer is where the power is. It's where the battle is. And a lot of people don't know how to pray, and so they don't. But today, we're going to talk about those who pray and fast just to show off. Spiritual show offs, what I call them. And Jesus addresses this, and let's begin with the reasons for prayer. No religion ever had a higher standard and priority of prayer than Judaism. But Paul said in Romans 3.20, excuse me, Romans 3.2, that the Jews had been entrusted with the oracles of God. Think about it. All that we know about God has come through the Jewish people. Because God spoke to Abraham. God spoke to his descendants. And, and if there was ever a group of people that should know how to pray and talk to God, it should have been the Jewish people. But because of the, the rabbinic traditions, they'd added so much to it that the prayers weren't real prayers anymore. Now, some were, some were honest, some were, were sincere, but in general, it had become very, very ritualized. And so let's look at what they did wrong. First of all, is when it became performance and ritual. Look at verse 5. Jesus said, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be like the play actors. They love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. 
I tell you, they've received their reward. And then he said in verse 7, when you pray, don't use vain repetitions as the heathen do. They think they're going to be heard by their many words, by their long prayers. Prayer had become ritualized. They many times would quote the Shema or Shema, however you want to say it, Deuteronomy 6, Deuteronomy 11, and Numbers 15. They also had some more formalized prayers called the Shemona Esrei. Shemona Esrei. It means the 18, but actually there were 19. <laughs> they added one. And basically what it was was various prayers for various occasions, and the faithful Jews would pray all 18 of those prayers three times a day at 9, noon, and 3. Not Dr. Pepper time, 10, 2, and 4. But 9, noon, and 3, they would pray these prayers. And there was really three ways that you could pray with them. You could pray them with sincerity. You could mean it. And there were people who prayed that way. They knew every word they were saying. They meant it from their heart. They were speaking to God. There were those who prayed with sincerity. And then there were those who prayed with indifference. They were just repeating the words. In fact, they got to where they actually abbreviated the form of it so they could do it faster and get it over with. It's 9 o'clock. I need to repeat all these prayers. Blah, 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 blah. And it was very indifferent. Had no idea what they were saying. They were just doing it as a ritual. And then there were those who prayed it with pride. Here's where your scribes and Pharisees came because they would stand, they would pronounce precisely every syllable, every word. They would make it meticulously correct and they would do it on days where people, this this just gave them a great opportunity to parade their piousness, to put it on display, to let everyone else see how religious and pious they were. They made prayers for every object, every occasion. Now, I'm sure that the motivation for that was to put all of life before God. I mean, they had prayers about light and darkness and fire and rain and new moon, traveling, good news, bad news, and so on. But it had become very limited to specific times and places And they just kind of made it a ritual or a performance. Now, they also believed, at least the religious leaders believed, that the longer you prayed, that the more effective it would be that if you, the longer you prayed, God would finally listen to you. So they prayed long prayers. There's not anything wrong with a a long prayer if it's talking to God and it's sincere. But making it long just so other people will be impressed, that's what he's talking about. Ancient rabbis maintained that the longer the prayer, the more likely it would be heard and heeded by God. And Jesus even described them in Mark 12, 40, when he said, for appearances sake, they offer long prayers. You remember, do, you, do y'all have any recollection of people when you're growing up that prayed a long time? My dad is not in here. <laughs> not that he prayed long, but I remember as a kid, there was a certain man growing up in El Dorado, Arkansas, at Westside Baptist Church. 
and he would call on for the benediction. Now, we've already been through church, the sermon, the invitation, and I'm a kid, and he'd call on this one particular man. And that man could pray for 10 minutes. I'm not exaggerating. And long words, half the words I did not even understand. And I'd say, Dad, don't call on him for the closing prayer. Draw, we're standing, we're ready to go. I read about an eight-year-old boy who, it's not that he disliked going to church, but he didn't like the long pastoral prayer. The pastor would pray on Sunday and he'd just pray a long time. And it just, for an eight-year-old, it's just a long time to keep your head bowed and your eyes closed and stand there. And he was really bothered when his parents invited the pastor over to eat. Well, it's time to eat. It's time for the blessing, to ask the blessing. And guess what? The parents call him the pastor to pray. The little boy kind of shrugged his shoulders and sighed. But surprisingly, the prayer was brief and to the point. And he was so pleased when they got through praying, he looked up to the pastor and he said, you don't pray so long when you're hungry, do you? <laughs> long prayers, just for the sake of length, does not mean it draws you to God. It, there's nothing wrong, but, but the worst fault of religious act of this long praying was that, that so it could be seen by other people. It wasn't talking to God. It was just trying to impress everybody. And Jesus zeroes in on this when he said, don't be like the hypocrites. Now, folks, if prayer is not focused on God, if it's not talking to God, it's a hypocritical prayer. If you're just speaking so other people can hear you and, and you're focused on more what others are thinking about your prayer, you're not talking to God. It's a hypocritical prayer. And Jesus is saying, don't be worried about what other people think. Connie Schmotzer, I think is how you say your name, in Bellingham, Washington, wrote these words. She said, while driving my boys to swimming lessons, Michael, age eight, saw a book my husband had left in the car. He picked it up and read the title. He asked me, what's this book about, Mom? And I said, it's a book to help us become authentic Christians. He said, oh, yeah, yeah, that's what we are, right, Mom? Pathetic Christians. <laughs> well, all of us are pathetic in our own way, but the fact is, it says when you pray, you're not praying to be seen by others. Now, he mentioned standing. That was a pretty normal stance to pray in because if people prayed three times a day, they might be standing somewhere. So standing is not the issue. But he says standing in the synagogues, that was a normal position, but standing on the corners of the streets, that was okay also because if you were a devout Jew and you were really praying to God that when it came time to pray, no matter where you were, you would stop and pray. But did you know what the implication here with the, the wording here is interesting it's not just any street corner. Now, if you were praying in the street and you were out in front of your home, probably not a busy street. And it's probably no big deal. Not that many people are going to see you standing out there praying. But if you went right down here, let me make sure I'm pointing, right down here to slide and the loop, the intersection there, in front of the mall, 
Now, if you went there and prayed, a lot of people would see you, wouldn't they? You'd take your life in your hands, too, by doing that. But that's, what, that's the implication. He said it's not just any street corner. They're going to the busy street corners where more people will see them praying so that they'll get more accolades in order to be seen by men. This begins in the heart. Jesus is not renouncing public prayer. In fact, Jesus prayed publicly with his disciples. So public prayer is not the issue, but the reasoning behind it is, he said, when you are praying in public, just to be seen, it can be ritualistic, it can be mechanical, it can be long, it can be repetitious, it becomes a performance. And in verse 7, he says, quit using meaningless repetition. There are a lot of meaningless repetitions going on today. It doesn't mean this. It doesn't mean that you can ask more than once to God because Jesus will even say later, keep bringing your request to God. So it's not, it doesn't mean that you cannot repeat a request to God. It means a meaningless repetition. I'm not being mean. I'm just being factual. But many Buddhists spin a wheel containing written prayers, believing that each turn of the wheel will send that prayer to their God. Roman Catholics, some of them light candles in the belief that their request will continue to ascend repetitiously to God as long as the candle is lit. Not all of them, but some of them believe that. The, the rosaries that you see them counting the row, or not counting, but going through the rosary beads and they're repeating maybe Hail Marys or, or uh, calling on God the Father, that came to Catholicism from Buddhism through the Spanish Muslims during the Middle Ages where you just repeat, 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 repeat. Don't take my word for it. Look it up yourself. I'm not being critical. I'm just saying that when you just go through things and you just say stuff, that is meaningless repetition. And Jesus said, don't pray like that. That's not prayer. That's ritual. That's performance. All of us have been guilty of repeating the same prayers meal after meal, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah, we have. Doesn't mean it can't come from a grateful heart, but we need to be careful that we don't just say, like the little boy said, thank God, let's eat, you know, that kind of thing. How did he put it? Good food, good bread, good meat, good God, let's eat. Thank God, let's eat, or something like that. And then there's those people who have to have a prayer book. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with a prayer book. But if you just read a prayer, you can not mean it. I read of one religious leader was called on to see one of his members who had been bitten by a snake, rattlesnake. And when he arrived, the man asked him to pray for him. So he took out his prayer book and he began to look through it. And after a while, he said, sir, I'm sorry, there's no prayer in here for a rattlesnake bite. You're going to have to die. Don't talk to yourself. Don't just repeat words. You talk to God. 
a family was having guests to dinner. When they sat down to eat, mom turned to her six-year-old daughter and said, dear, would you like to ask the blessing? And she said, I don't know what to say. She said, well, just say what you hear mommy say, sweetie. (laughs) So she bowed her head, took a deep breath, and said, dear Lord, why on earth did I invite all these people to dinner? (laughs) (laughs) You got to be careful when you ask children to pray. The hypocritical prayers of the scribes and the Pharisees, it was, there was no significant content. To, they, they had no substance. But then Jesus turns around and said, there's a right way to pray. There's a right way. That's when you bring your petitions and your requests to God. In verse 6, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. The basic definition of prayer is communion with God. Folks, if you're not talking to God, you're not praying. And it's interesting that God is the one who created prayer. God condescended to us. He stooped to you and me to talk to us. We didn't invent it. Talking to God. You ever wondered why Jesus prayed? Talking to the Father. And so when we pray, if we're just mentioning words, if we're not talking to God, we're not praying. That's why he says when you pray, in fact, it, it, it implies great latitude. You can be praying just about anywhere. That's why Paul wrote in Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. You don't have to close your eyes all the time and bow your heads. When you pray, you're talking to God. And he uses the word secret place or inner room or secret chamber or storage closet. The idea is that sometimes private prayer is what you need. You go into the secret place. You go privately, get somewhere where you can just talk to God. You can focus on him. It's not to be seen by others. Isn't it interesting that God knows all your secrets? That's an interesting thought, isn't it? Some people think they're secretly sneaking around behind God, committing sin, and they don't think God can see them. God knows everything. He knows where you are. He knows what your heart is. He knows if you're talking to him. So it's not about performance. You bring your petitions. God, verse 8, God says, I mean, Jesus says, the Father knows the things you need of before you ask him. So does that mean we need to ask him? We're going to talk about that next Sunday. If God is sovereign, why do I have to pray at all? If God already knows what's going to happen, if God is sovereign and in control of everything, why do I even have to pray? I'll let you dwell on that all week. We're going to talk about it next Sunday. To pray with single attention to God rather than to men, it's to pray with the confidence that the creator of the universe is listening to you. He's listening to you. Seven-year-old George in the middle of the prayer in church. They're praying in church, and seven-year-old George whistles really loud. His mom grabs hold of him and shh. Later on after church, she said, George, what in the world were you thinking? 
Whatever made you do such a thing? And she, he said, Mom, I asked God to teach me to whistle, and he did just then. <laughs> he must have been sincere. <laughs> Let me tell you the greatest prayer you'll ever pray is when you ask God to forgive you of your sin. You turn from your sin and repentance. You ask God to forgive you. And you pray to the Lord, believing that he died on the cross for you and that he rose again. And you say, Lord Jesus, I give you my life. I commit myself to you. I want you to live in me. I want to tell you the greatest prayer you'll ever pray because it's the prayer of salvation. It is the prayer where your sins are forgiven. It is a prayer where eternal life with Jesus is given to you. There's no substitute for it. Now let's look at what Jesus says about fasting. What are the regulations for fasting? Verse 16, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites. Here he gives the play actors. And by the way, I didn't tell you. Well, I'm going to tell you here that, that they put on stuff to make them be noticed that they were fasting. Now fasting has been around for ages. It was practiced by the pagans. The pagans believed that demons could enter you through food. That's why later in Romans when Paul's, or excuse me, 1 Corinthians when Paul is talking about those that were having trouble uh, eating meat that had been sacrificed to idols. That's their background. They're, They're thinking that I could ingest a demon through food. And so if I feel like I'm under demonic attack, I'm going to quit eating so more demons will come in me. The pagans thought that. And, and then when they, they um, in most Eastern religions and the cults, the leaders have been committed to fasting. Now, in Western culture, in our culture, it's gotten popular again on many diet plans. It's for physical reasons to lose weight or to make you feel better and things. But, but folks, the Bible never records fasting for practical reasons like that, it always has a spiritual purpose. It doesn't mean that you can't fast for dietary reasons, but you're not going to find that in the scripture. The scripture always mentions it for spiritual reasons. And really and truly, there was only one fast that was commanded to the Jewish people. It was on the day of atonement. They were to fast. They were to humble their souls, as Leviticus 16.29 would say, which was a Hebrew expression, but that included forsaking food. It was a national fast. Every man, woman, and child in Israel were to fast on the Day of Atonement. That was the only commanded fast that you find. It's not elsewhere commanded in the Scripture like giving and praying is commanded for us, even in the New Testament, but fasting is never commanded. It's never spoken of negatively. It's spoken of positively. And when Jesus says, whenever you fast, supports the understanding that it's not commanded. By the way, the word fast means to do without food to go without food. Usually when they fasted, they just drank water for whatever period of time they were fasting. And, and, but fasting had been perverted and twisted beyond the scriptural meaning and the sincerity of it. It had become a ritual to gain the favor of God. They taught, if I fast, I get extra credit. 
God's going to like me more. God's going to give me more. God's going to make, be closer to me if I fast. Now, folks, that's not the reason for fasting. Like praying and almsgiving, it had become a, hip, a hypocritical religious show. Now, Luke 18, 12, Jesus said that the Pharisees fasted twice a week. Usually, it, they fasted on the second and fifth days of the week. Why? Well, they claimed those were the two days that Moses went up to Mount Sinai and got the tablets of the commandments. And so they used that excuse, the second and fifth days of the week, to do their fasting. But in reality, the second and fifth days of the week were the common Jewish market days when the marketers and the farmers and all people flooded into the city to do trade and commerce so there would be more people to see them when they fasted on those two days. Now they, Jesus said, don't be like the hypocrites, don't be like the theatrical people, but they would sometimes put on old clothes. Sometimes they would tear their clothes. They would soil their clothes. Sometimes they put on makeup to make them look pale and to make them look like they were miserable so that people would notice how pious they are. You know, we can look pitiful times, can't we? Yeah, we can. Trust me, I, I see a lot of pitifulness on Sunday. <laughs> Remind me of a deacon who went to the airport to pick up a, a preacher who was supposed to be the guest preacher at their church. And he, the deacon was supposed to take him to eat and entertain him a little while till that night when he was supposed to speak. He never met the guy. So he didn't know who the preacher was, but he's standing there looking at people getting off the airplane trying to figure out who's the preacher. And finally, he went up to this one man. He said, that's got to be him. That's just got to be him. So he walked over to him. He said, pardon me, sir, are you a minister? And the man said, no, it's my indigestion that makes me look like this. <laughs> to look so serious and so sad, you know, the heart is not in it. Fasting becomes a sham and a mockery. And Jesus said, the fasting's for show. Their prayer is for show. Their fasting is for show. They've gotten what they wanted. They've gotten, them, they gotten noticed by people. But is there a right way to fast? The wrong way is showy. I'm doing it strictly for show, but what's the right way? What is spiritual fasting quickly? Well, first of all, let me mention a few reasons. In verse 17, when he says, when you fast, indicates that it's a normal, acceptable way of the Christian life. It's never commanded, but it, it is expected at times. In fact, it's always spoken of in a positive way, except when they did it for the wrong reason. But let me give you a few examples. David fasted when he was praying for the infant's life in 2 Samuel 12, 16. He also fasted when Abner died in 2 Samuel 3, 35. And on such occasions of deep grief, fasting is a natural response. Many of you have experienced that deep grief. The last thing you feel like doing is eating. 
It can be a grief response. You're not doing it to be shown. You just don't feel like eating. Sometimes overwhelming danger can prompt you to fast. For example, King Jehoshaphat proclaimed a national fast in Judah when they were threatened with an attack from the Moabites and the Ammonites in 2 Chronicles 20 verse 3. From a human standpoint, they could not win. So the king cried out to God for help, forsaking food and asking the nation to pray to God. Queen, Queen Esther and all her servants and the Jews in the capital city of Susa fasted for three full days before she went before the king to plead for the life of the Jewish people spared from Haman's wicked scheme to get a, to, against the Jews in Esther 4.16. As the exiles were about to leave Babylon for the return to Jerusalem, Ezra declared a fast, Ezra 8.21. Sometimes people fast out of penitence. Was David fasted after he sinned with Bathsheba and praying to God. Elijah was confronted or did confront Ahab. And Ahab tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and fasted. 1 Kings 21, 27. When the people of Nineveh heard Jonah's preaching, they were so convicted, they believed in God and called a great fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Sometimes it was associated with receiving or proclaiming a special revelation from God. Daniel contemplated Jeremiah's prediction of the 70 years. And it says in Daniel 9, 2, attention to the Lord God to seek him by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. Sometimes before you begin some important task, such as Jesus fasted 40 days before he began his earthly ministry. There are a lot of different reasons to fast. But folks, it's not to get extra credit from God. You're seeking, you're asking God, you're, you're seeking his help. And sometimes you feel led to fast and to seek God what are the requirements? Listen to this. Every scriptural account of genuine fasting is linked to prayer. You can pray without fasting, but you cannot biblically fast without praying. It's always linked to prayer, unless you're doing it for dietary reasons. It's not biblical that way. And I'm not saying it's wrong, but, but fasting is an affirmation of intense prayer. It's a, it's a deep spiritual struggle before God. It's never an isolated act or a ceremony or a ritual where you inherit merit from God. Fasting is also linked with a pure heart. Listen to Zechariah 7.5. And verses 9 and 10. Zechariah is declaring to the people, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh months, these 70 years, was it actually for me you fasted? Thus has the Lord of hosts said, dispense true justice and practice kindness and compassion each to his brother and do not oppress the widow or the orphan, the stranger or the poor and do not devise evil in your hearts against one another. You see, 70 years of fasting meant nothing to the Lord because it had not been done with a sincere heart. There was sin in their life. 
And so Jesus says, you come before God in prayer. And then he says, if you are fasting, you need to anoint your head. You need to wash your face. You need to clean yourself up. You don't need to display your fasting. Don't let people know. It's between you and God. It's between you and God in prayer. Don't have people worry about you. Oh, look, he's fasting. I can tell by the way they're dressed. Jesus said, clean yourself up. Have some good hygiene. And don't, make, don't draw attention to yourself. Isn't it amazing when he talks about giving and he talks about praying and he mentions fasting? He said, don't draw attention to yourself. It's all about you and God. What are the results? Verse 18 says, the Lord again sees in secret. God notices. I don't know how God will reward you. I don't understand. I don't, I don't know how he reward. He rewards us in different ways. I just want you to know that when you pray and you pray with a pure heart, when you pray with a right motive and you talk to God, he's listening. In fact, the scripture says that God is into your prayers. You ever talk to a child and you get down here so you can, I, I do it for two reasons. First of all, I can't hear them if I don't. <laughs> but primarily you get down there where you can relate to them. Well, that's how the scripture describes God and he is into your prayers. We're going to talk about that some more in the next few weeks as we talk about what does the model prayer mean when Jesus said, pray in this manner. What is your motive? Why are you here today? What's your motive? Are you here to encounter the Lord? If you came with that reason, I'm here to tell you that he wants to have an encounter with you by giving you a new life and forgiving you of your sin. If you're a child of his, you're already saved. You know what? Just drawing closer with God's people and studying his word and and say, Lord, I want you to show me what you want me to do this week. I'll honor you this week. Maybe God's telling you, you know what? You need a church. Maybe he's telling you you need to be baptized. Maybe he's telling you there's something I've got planned for you I want you to do. Whatever it is, would you talk to the Lord right now while we pray? Heavenly Father, we need you to talk to us. We need you to convict us of our sin. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your grace. Lord, we ask you to show us where we are in our relationship with you. And so, Lord, pray for those that need Jesus. We do. Only you know our hearts. We pray that nothing would hinder them from coming to you. Nothing would distract them. Nothing would would draw their attention away from your spirit speaking to their heart right now. And for your children, a lot of us in here are your, your children. We're your believers. We're the followers. We, 
we've given our life to you, would you show us where we need to correct? Thank you, Lord, for loving us and saving us. Thank you. We don't deserve it. We pray for those that you want to send here. We pray for those that need to be baptized. Thank you for those that were, the four of them that were baptized in the 8 o'clock service this morning. So, Lord, your spirit is speaking to our hearts right now. Help us to listen. Help us to be obedient. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Pastor David. Going through the spiritual motions in order to impress others was never meant to be the reason for prayer or fasting. Yet we find that those who pridefully paraded their piety did that very thing. Jesus showed us that prayer isn't for show, but for humbly presenting our request to God. And that fasting didn't exist to somehow gain us extra credit with God, but to express mourning or to accompany prayer, or to seek God's heart more earnestly. Whether man notices these actions or not, we know that when done with a pure heart, God notices. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. Be sure to catch our next installment of the Southcrest Live podcast. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like more information to make a commitment or to request prayer, please text the word podcast to 555-888. You can also connect with us on our Southcrest app or our website for complete worship services or to plan to visit us in person. Thanks again for listening.